Well, Happy New Year, Novation family. I hope you had an incredible Christmas and, and your week leading up to, to New Year's. And man, it's 2023. We blinked and another year went by. So I pray as we enter in this new year that your faith will grow, that your foundation of your hope in Jesus Christ would be solidified more than ever. As we go into this new year, um, it's been on my heart just the word discipleship. And that just means to follow Jesus and to be his disciple, not just in, in belief in him, but truly following him and putting his teachings and the way he told us to live life into practice. And I want to pursue that as a church this year. The Apostle Peter writes in his second letter to the church in chapter 1, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil human desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." So we are his disciples, and when it comes to discipleship, I like to, I've been talking about this a little bit, about this integrated discipleship, which is head, heart, and hands, that we love God with our mind, and we learn about scripture, we learn about the gospel, we learn how to read the Bible better, so that we know God better. And then there's the heart part of discipleship to Jesus, which is the part of us that's a worshiper, prayer, being close to God, having that fire in our hearts for Jesus continually uh, stoked. And then there's the hands piece of discipleship where we serve. We're the hands of Jesus to serve each other and to serve our families and our communities and, and so forth. But sometimes some of us are more wired in the, in the head thing. We feel closest to God when we're learning. Some feel closest to God in the heart area when you're experiencing worship, you're experiencing prayer, and, and, and those types of things that the God has given us to, to walk with Jesus with. And then some are wired more in the hands area. You like to serve, and that's when you feel closest to God. There's no right or wrong in that. It's integrated. So, you know, if you're a, a someone who feels closer to God learning, make sure you're practicing the heart things and the hands things. And that goes for each head, heart, and hands. Practice the other ones as well going into this new year. You're about to watch a video that I recorded um, sometime back for a New Testament survey course that I was blessed to be able to teach. And a, a survey course is where you get that 30,000-foot view of of different books of the Bible. So I went through the Gospels and all the way through Revelation. And this message that you're going to watch this morning is setting the stage 
for the New Testament. We just got through our reading plan of the, the Old Testament and teaching on Sundays about finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, what you're going to listen to this morning is how God in his sovereignty through the calling of, of Abraham and then Moses and the story of Israel and all that they went through, how God set the stage for the New Testament to happen, for the coming of Jesus. As Galatians says, at the right time, Jesus came into this world as Messiah, and he lived his life, did his ministry, and then he, he died for us on the cross and then rose again, and then commissioned his apostles, his disciples to take this message throughout the world. What God did behind the scenes is so cool. I think it's going to increase your faith and help you as you read through the New Testament and as we look at it on Sundays together. I think you're going to be super blessed. So let me pray and you can watch the rest of this video. Father, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for what you've done what you're doing and the plans that you have for us in the future. God, I pray for everyone that's able to watch this and our whole church family, God, that you would knit us together tighter than ever this year. I pray for uh, our home groups to continue to be strong. I pray for us to practice the one another's. And God, I pray that as we follow you this year, this would be a year of discipleship where we as a church family grow together in learning how to live life from you, Jesus, and passing that on to the generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Welcome back to New Testament Survey. Uh, again, my name is Scott Applegate. I have the privilege of, of teaching you today. Today we're going to talk about how God set the stage for the New Testament. Before you start digging into the books of the New Testament, it's important to know a little bit of the history of what happened prior to that. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul, he said, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. The importance of that verse is that just at the right time in history, in God's plan, he brought Jesus into the world to redeem us through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Prior to that, um, there's, a, there's a background that we have to get a little understanding on. And I like to look at how God's plan in, in, for us and his plan for what he has for the world in four different acts, so to speak. You go to a play, it's act one, you have intermission, then act two, and so forth. That's kind of what's happened in, in, in happening in God's time frame. Act one, we could call creation. Creation and the fall. You go back to Genesis chapter one. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything. And then he shares his creation with us. People, out of all of creation, people are created in the image of God. Humanity was created to reflect the image of God. All the other creation is God's artwork. It's, it's his handiwork, so to speak. But people he created to reflect his image in who he is. And in the, the garden, God told Adam and Eve, that they could eat of any 
tree in the garden, but don't eat from this one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the evil one comes and immediately we see in chapter 3 and tempts Eve uh, to become like him in the sense that to question God's word, to question God's character, is he really good or not? And they were duped. And humanity's been eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ever since. That's when we get to Jesus, he, he takes us back to that tree of life. But what we see from Genesis 3 through chapter 11 is humanity's in disarray, going its own way. And in chapter 12, which begins act two of God's, what God's, the story that, that God is writing, is the calling of Abraham which is the, story, the beginning of Israel, the nation and people of Israel. It's the Old Testament. It's the, his covenant with the, with the Israelites. In Genesis 12, he tells Abraham that, that, that he's going to bless all the world through his offspring. And in chapter 15, he tells Abraham to look up at the stars. And as numerous as the stars are, we're going to be his offspring. And we read in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 4 that Jesus was the promise that God gave to Abraham. And so all through Act 2 with Israel and, and God's covenant with Israel, we see the foretelling of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of a new covenant that he was going to make. And then Act 3 is Jesus and the beginning of the New Testament. And we're, Jesus came just at the right time, just like that, the verses that, that I read earlier. He came right on time, right on schedule of when God sent him into this world to see his life, to see his death, and his resurrection redeeming us. That's the new covenant that Jesus called it, the new covenant in, in who he was. We're living in still this act three of God's time frame. We're living there now. We're, we're still living in, we're living in the new covenant, but we're awaiting for act four. Act four is when Jesus returns and he's gonna set everything straight. The chaos of the world and all of that, he's gonna set straight. He came the first time to be the lamb who would be sacrificed to redeem us from, from death and sin and the work of the devil. Jesus called called this the renewal of all things. He's going to come and he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth and there's, we're going to live with no, no sin, no sorrow, or no, no death. And so knowing that we still have something to look forward to as we're looking back on the, the, the background of the New Testament, two reasons that the New Testament was written. The first was to inform the early church about the life and teachings of Jesus. That's what the four Gospels are about, to inform the early church. As the, as the apostles began to die, they, they, it was no longer telling the eyewitness story. Uh, verbally, they wrote it down so that, that it could be preserved and continued on. The second reason the New Testament was written was to instruct local congregations on how to live in the kingdom of Jesus. That's what the letters and the epistles are all about. Now, in my Bible, if you can see that, there's the end of the Old Testament in Malachi, and there's just one, one page 
one little piece of paper that separates Malachi from Matthew, the old from the new. But there was 400 years on that one little piece of blank paper there. There's 400 years of history that shaped the world for the fulfillment of what Paul said, at the right time, Jesus came into this world. Three things that set the stage for Jesus. Three things that set the stage um, for the New Testament. And the first one is Israel. Uh, the Hebrew people, they were preparing the way for the new covenant in the coming of Jesus. We have to always remember, Jesus was Jewish. He came from the lineage of Abraham. He came from the line of, of King David. In Romans chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So Israel, the people of Israel, um, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. And, and then secondly, God called Israel to be a holy nation. They had this calling to be a holy nation, Exodus 19 verse 6 says, and the word holy means to be set apart. They had a calling to be set apart from the pagan world around them. God reintroduces himself to Abraham and tells them to, to be his covenant people. And the word nation is not a political thing, and it's not a skin color or race. It's a culture. God was creating a, a, a culture set apart unto himself. And through Israel, we are introduced to what's called monotheism. Um, it introduced to this pagan world where all the other nations had, had tons of gods. God comes and shows that there's only one God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Throughout the book of Isaiah, God says over and over that there is no God beside me. I am, I am the Lord, there is no God beside me. The word polytheism means many gods, many gods. Pantheism means everything is God, all is God. The Greeks uh, had something called henotheism, where there were many gods, but they all answered to one supreme God. So we get this, this from, from Israel, we get this understanding of monotheism. And then we get the Torah which is the, the five books of Moses, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Very important. Jesus came, he said, to fulfill the law, to fulfill all that was written about him. And you have, in the law, you have the moral law, which reflects the character of God and how God wants uh, his people to live. You have civil law, which instructed a society on, on how to live amongst each other. And then you had the ceremonial law, all the outward things that, that marked the Jewish people to be the Jewish people. All of that foreshadowed the coming of Jesus, and he came to fulfill that. And then super important in the background of the New Testament is what we call the dispersion. 
or the exile into Babylon. Around 587 BC, if you go to the end of 2 Kings, you see that the Babylonian Empire, which was ruling the world at the time, came and took captive the people of Judah and Israel. And the people of Israel were spread out throughout, throughout the world. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, you may have heard this verse before. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm. And we quote that verse without understanding its context. The, the 10 verses before that, God told the Jewish people that when you're in captivity in, in Babylon, I want you to make families, plant vineyards, have farms, do good to the city that you're in. And they put down roots there. In God's mastermind, his sovereignty, he was, he was totally setting the stage for the gospel, the New Testament to be, the news of the New Testament to be spread throughout the world through this dispersion. The Apostle Paul, everywhere he went on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts, he would always go to the synagogue first in all of these cities, whether it was Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica. And he would go to the synagogue. A synagogue is a, a Jewish house of worship. And he would go and share the, the good news about the life, death, and, and resurrection of Jesus. And so it set the stage for the gospel to just blow up uh, throughout, the, throughout the world. Another important thing was something called the Septuagint. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's from Hebrew into Greek. And it was written down during the dispersion. And it made the Old Testament the foretelling, the foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus, it made that readable to anyone who could read. Uh, the Greek language was the dominating language of the world. And then the last part about the Israel and preparing the way for the New Testament was Judaism itself. Judaism grew out of Phariseeism. And if you're familiar at all with the Gospels, you see Jesus uh, often kind of running in conflict with the Pharisees. They didn't believe in him. They, they, they persecuted him. And they were the religious leaders of the day. They had created their own little religion, their own little framework on which they tried to relate to God and to one another. And Jesus came to show Israel and the world what God was really like, that they were off, that they had, had not seen God at any time, and that God himself was in their very midst. The second thing that set the stage for, for the New Testament and for the coming of Jesus is the Greek Empire. The Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, between 334 BC and 323 BC, he conquered the whole Mediterranean world. From Israel to Greece to, to Italy, he conquered that whole world. And he was a, a tutored under Aristotle, a famous Greek philosopher. And he didn't really necessarily conquer the world because he wanted power. He wanted the world to have Greek culture. He so believed in their culture. So he promoted that. We get the word Hellenism means a promotion of Greek culture. We see that in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. You had Hellenistic Jews. So Jewish people still had their 
<clears throat> their faith, but they were cultured like Greeks. But what really happened from, from this in God, again, in his sovereign masterpiece, basically there was one language in the world at that time that everyone could speak. Greek became the language that people did business in and commerce and so forth. And so God had, was choreographing this time, the world, to send his son in the fullness of that time. So the, the third thing that set the stage for the New Testament is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire conquered the Greeks in 146 B.C. So you have these three things kind of layered over the top. You have Israel, you have the Greek Empire, and then now the Roman Empire. All three of these things played such a huge part in, in setting the stage for Jesus. When the Romans conquered the Greeks, Greek culture conquered the Romans. The Romans continued in that, that Greek culture. Alexander the Great's wish of everyone to, to be cultured like Greeks continued to happen. And under the Roman Empire, we get, uh, the, we get what's called Pax Romana, and that's law and order. It, it meant that the, the Romans were going to demand that, that there was peace between all the nationalities within the Roman Empire that they, they would squash a rebellion as soon as it came up. And they expected peace through that. And then they created roads. They, the Roman Empire created roads in between big cities. And they paved them even. And they had drainage and they, they patrolled them so that people could safely move about. And that ultimately helped the early missionary efforts. Paul had, had roads now to walk on to get to the places that they went on their missionary journeys. Huge thing in, in looking back and realizing what God was doing and setting the stage there. But then maybe the most important piece to setting the stage was the fact that there was a religious and moral degeneration going on. People were empty. People were empty. There was a lack of meaning. Scholars say that 95% of the people at that time had no interest in religion at all. Formal religion had, had let people down. It did not meet people's hunger for God. The Roman philosophers, the, the Greek philosophers, that was for the intellectual only. And there was nothing for the common person. But then Jesus shows up. When Jesus showed up, think about who he called first. He called common people. He didn't, he didn't come for the religious or the, the, the people who thought they were superior. He obviously came for everybody. But the people who embraced him were common people. Peter, James, and John were fishermen. Matthew was an outcast, a tax collector. Mary Magdalene, I mean, she was a prostitute. All these broken people these came and, and flocked to Jesus. They were ready for the good news. So when you look at, at the New Testament itself, there's 27 books. There's four Gospels. And the four Gospels are biographies on the life of Jesus. You think of it as, as, a, as a slideshow, not a movie of Jesus' life, but snippets of, of, of Jesus' life, snapshots of his life. And you have four different people 
with four different backgrounds, four different perspectives, you know, in a sense, sharing pictures from the same trip. Uh, I got to go with my wife and daughter to Israel. And when we talk about the trip that we had to Israel, we all have different angles, different things that stood out to us. And so as you read the biographies, you're getting, you know, different points of view, what stood out to other people. And then we have one history book in the New Testament. That's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the sequel to Luke's gospel. Luke wrote both the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It's kind of a two-set volume, so to speak. And you have in the book of Acts the early church fulfilling the, the great commission when Jesus told the disciples, you know, go into all the world and, and te- teach them what I've taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they had this new power in, in the person of the Holy Spirit filling them and living within them. They were martyred. They were persecuted by the religious folks, and they were persecuted by Rome. And we're introduced to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, who wrote 13 of the New Testament letters. He had an amazing conversion. We'll get to that when we get to the book of Acts. There's 21 epistles or letters, and you see um, one massive theological treatise in the book of Romans. These are all, this is why the Bible, the New Testament is so amazing because it's just coming from so many different angles of what we're soaking in about the new covenant and how we, we learn about it. The gospels are, are the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the others are written for us so that we know how to live and we learn even more on what, what Jesus did for us. So you have a couple of private or personal letters that Paul writes to a guy named Philemon, and he writes to Timothy and to Titus. You have one long extended sermon in the book of Hebrews. We have a great book on on, uh, New Testament ethics in the the little book of James. We have problem-solving letters where people had questions on how they should live, and that's how we got 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians. And then you just have books like Philippians and Ephesians that, that were, that were uh, words of encouragement for us in who we are in Christ. And then we have one prophetic book in the book of Re- Revelation. So we have plenty still to journey through, but I hope that's helpful to you to know the background of the New Testament, how it set the stage as we dig into it. Next week, we're going to look at, at the Gospels and begin to survey uh, the, the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament.